Well, good morning, y'all. We are in the middle of a series called Revision, uh, because as we start up this new year, uh, that's exactly what a lot of us need, to be able to revision our lives, to get a new perspective for what's possible, to redefine what our lives are going to be about moving forward. And the truth of the matter is, if we don't make some changes today, when we get into January and February 2020, we're going to be exactly the same and no better off than we are today. And so uh, what we're hoping to do is to inspire some change for all of us to make some positive changes. Uh, However, before we can move forward, as we discussed in the first few weeks of, of the series, we got to get past our past. And so we spent a few weeks talking about, you know, getting past our uh, past of, of pain and resentment and our failures. And then Greg talked about, um, as we take those first steps forward, to put in good boundaries in our life so that we don't get caught in the same traps um, that we found ourselves in in our past. And then really, once we do that, we can find out, look, you know, the grass isn't greener and really begin to just live every day grateful, which was what last week was all about, and which I think is the secret to life. If we can wake up every day grateful, it makes a huge impact, and it will change our lives forever. So, if we can accomplish all that, and truthfully, most people never do, but if we can, we then have the opportunity to revision our future and to live differently to take our lives to the next level and to move forward with clarity about who we are and who we want to become. I think that the truth is that our souls thirst for meaning like a man lost in the desert searches for water. And nothing can be more powerful, nothing can be more healing to our weary souls than to discover that our lives mean something. That it wasn't for nothing. I, uh, I turned 51 this last year, and I don't know what it was about this birthday more than any other, but it had a pretty profound effect on me. And I've just found myself contemplating life a lot more. And these days, I I find myself loving the simplicity of life and enjoying the simple things like spending time in front of the fire with my wife and enjoying the beauty of a sunset and just the quiet moments. But at the same time, I really feel like, you know, I'm I'm running out of time and I'm spending time figuring out like my next 10-year plan and implementing and executing plans that I hope that will keep me focused in on the big picture of where I want to be and I don't know if it's going to work or not I'm just kind of making stuff up as I go Um, but I got to tell you this I am committed to trying like heck to get to the finish line of my life with something that has real meaning as uh most of you know, I'm uh, one of many volunteers here at Westridge um, who volunteer our time, kind of make what Westridge what it is. And so in my paying job, I'm a, 
owner, partner in a real estate investment and uh, development company. And this last week was a big week for us. It's one of our favorite weeks because we fly our, a lot of our employees into Chicago in February, which is a real benefit for those from Texas. Um, and we have our annual leadership conference. And so it's great to spend time with the employees and, and um, you know, I get to address them a few times um, throughout the week. And so I thought it might be interesting this morning um, to kind of get a glimpse into the other side of my life to share one of the talks that I gave at uh, the leadership conference as a way to um, also then lead into this topic. So this is from this last week for my company. When I think of great leaders, I think of people who don't settle for the status quo. They are uh, people who think outside the box, but they're people who have a sense of purpose and understand where they're headed. I call them rebel leaders. Rebel leaders kind of set themselves apart from the rest of the pack because they think differently. A lot of times, and the norm is, that we get lost in the daily grind. We are constantly reacting to whatever it is that comes through on our email or phone call or whatever it is. We're constantly in a reactive mode. Rebel leaders are proactive. They get the big picture. They understand the vision of what lies ahead and what needs to be accomplished. And they move forward with a, a great sense of, of purpose. Status quo is that we get lost in the busyness of nothingness. And we don't really ever accomplish anything. And we're just another cog in the wheel of the daily grind, just grinding, grinding out tasks one after another after another, instead of really accomplishing, accomplishing something that has meaning. Rebel leaders, they're proactive and they take control of their schedule. They take control of their day, their week, their months, their years. They understand where it is that they're headed, where it is they want to go, and they prioritize what's important. And when they are accomplishing tasks, they're doing it with a sense of intentionality because they see the big picture and they understand how this piece of the puzzle fits into the whole and makes a difference in where it is that we go. Rebel leaders also it's very important to be able to empower our teams. A lot of times leaders will treat our teams like paid employees and we tell them what to do rather than enroll them in the bigger conversation about what it is that we want to accomplish. Instead of casting vision to the teams in terms of what's the big picture of where we're headed, we don't give them the full picture, and so we just send them on their way accomplishing tasks, and there's no satisfaction in that. There's no sense of purpose or, or mission. So when we can enroll our teams in the big vision and help them to understand where it is that we're headed, we can get there together, and we can get there in a more powerful way because we're all working toward the same goal. So the most important thing with a rebel leader is that we are proactive. We are 
absolutely taking control of what it is that we want to do, accomplish with a sense of purpose and mission to drive to the finish line of where it is that we're headed. The last thing I think is that rebel leaders really lead from the trenches. We go out beyond the team and we lead by example. And when we do that, people want to follow us. People don't follow leaders because you get paid to or because you get told to or because that's your position. People follow leaders because they're compelled by the vision that you're giving them that they want to follow you. They believe in the mission and the vision that you're giving them. And so they want to help accomplish what it is that needs to be accomplished. I hope that we at Marquette, that we breed a culture of rebel leaders, people who are constantly driving to the bigger vision of what it is that we can accomplish, but what we can accomplish together. You can see I preach at my employees just as much as I preach at y'all. Um, I, I really do treat them like it's a big church because um, I, um, I want our people to feel fulfilled in what they're doing. And um, I don't want them to be driven by profitability and um, money. And even though that would make me more money at the end of the day as an owner of the company, but um, I really want a group of people who get it and we're in it together and we're working together and we have, you know, um, a great team. Um, I call it rebel leaders, not because that we want anybody to be in opposition, but if you can live with a sense of intentionality, what happens is you, you're living actually counterculturally. And you begin to um, go against the status quo, which is, you know, kind of the definition of, of a rebel. And uh, when that happens, you know, it becomes this kind of um, very interesting people to work with who are really looking for the deeper meaning uh, rather than just money. And I, I think that there's huge transferable principles in this for us. And so we'll talk about it. But, you know, we ourselves, we can get caught up in making our lives about the busyness of nothingness uh, really easily and never really accomplish anything of meaning. And I think that many of us live unfocused lives without any sense of purpose or direction, and yet I think that the secret to effective living is having a focus and a purpose that is so clear that there's never any question in your mind who you are and where you're headed and you figure out what it takes to get there. And the way that I think that we figure that out is we begin to peel away the layers of our life, the, all the superficiality, and we get down to the core of our existence and you look at, okay, what am I left with? What is at my core? And um, I think that when we can figure that out, then it, it makes a difference. I, I, I love... Um, I love the word velocity because velocity by its very definition means moving at a rate of speed or motion in a single focused direction. And, and I would describe it like this. It's the difference between a shotgun approach to life where we are spread so thin, we are just absolutely scattered and chasing after our shadows to the point that we are prisoners to the daily grind, the difference between that and then like a missile, 
right? So a missile is where all of your power and your influence and your resources are all focused together in one centralized uh, direction. It's taking everything that you got and maximizing your impact in one area of your life that you believe in. That, to me, is an image of a purpose-filled life where we live out every day with a sense of meaning, and I call this missional velocity, where we have that kind of velocity, but it's missional, it's purposeful, and our lives are driven by one thing. And according to Jesus, you know, we, looked, we did the Sermon on the Mount series not too long ago, and, and Jesus makes it very clear in that sermon that we can either invest our lives in the stuff of this world where we know sure is the air that we breathe, that it will all come to an end one day. Or we can invest our lives, we can set up for ourselves treasures in heaven or the stuff of God that the Bible tells us will last forever and have an eternal impact. And Jesus gives us a choice. He says, look, you pick, it's your choice, but go in eyes wide open and just know how this story ends for whatever decision it is that you make. Um, I want to look really quickly at a passage of Scripture that um, we look at all the time in church, and I'm sure you've heard it from a very young age, and it's in Ephesians 2. It's probably one of the most popular passages in the Bible, and it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God, and it isn't given to you because of your good works so that no one can boast about their own accomplishments. That's verses 8 and 9. Usually we stop there at the end of verse 9, and we say, yeah, you know, there's no question. We're saved by grace, grace alone. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's no way you can screw up so badly that you're going to make God love you any less. All that is true. But usually we go, okay, so what's the point of working? Right? I mean, if we get this grace for free, like why don't we just bask in the glory of God's grace and just kick back, take it easy, and coast into the finish line of this life, right? Because after verse 9 comes verse 10. And verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, so that we can do what? We can work, that we can do good works which God planned for us from the beginning to accomplish. We can't ignore verse 10. And this is a wake-up call for a lot of us because it makes it clear that we were not created to get ahead in this world. You were not created to get your piece of the pie. We weren't created to be takers. We were created to be givers. We were created to be people who contribute back and we contribute to something that is bigger than just my life and for me and mine. And that phrase says we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and so it makes it abundantly clear to me that if, if we decide that we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to be Christians, then we were created to serve, and therefore in the Christian life, service is not an option. It is an expectation by God, of us. And so if there's any question that's lurking in your mind this morning, whether God really wants me or expects me to serve, to give of my time and my resources to something bigger than just me, the answer is a resounding yes. 
And it's only as we grow in our relationship with Jesus that we can finally begin to understand what it is that we were created to do. Because let's face it, until we develop a Christian worldview, we pretty much see ourselves as the center of our world. And we look at what the world has to give me, has to offer me, not what I can contribute back. But when we're saved by grace, our eyes are open. And we can see so clearly that while we were a bunch of messed up sinners, while we didn't deserve a doggone thing, Jesus died for me. And because of that, because of the profound effect that has on me, I just want to spend the rest of my life saying thank you. Being grateful for what he's done for me. Being grateful for his grace. And so I want to say this and make this abundantly clear. Good works is not a criterion for being saved. It is a result of being saved. People who really get what God has done for them, people who really understand the depth of their own sin and the magnitude of God's grace and mercy are fundamentally people with a greater sense of joy who have a desire to serve and to give back as a way to say thank you. Now, let me just say that missional velocity is not something that somehow just happens accidentally. It takes intentionality. It's the same thing with like physical fitness. You know, I don't get this amazing physique by doing nothing, right? I have to work my butt off to look this good. Just walking into a health club, hanging out with your friends, talking on the phone, getting iPhone biceps, that doesn't work, right? Once we get into the club, once we get into the gym, we actually have to lift the weight. We actually have to run on the treadmill or run on the elliptical or whatever it is. We actually have to do the work. The same is true in life. Just walking into church on a Sunday morning does not make us spiritually fit. It does not make us spiritually strong. If we're going to live with missional velocity, it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take intentionality. And so in order to do that, we have to take control of our schedules, take control of our days, our weeks, our years, in order to be able to live it out, to have the time to live it out. Back in verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship. And I love this word workmanship, because if you take it from the original Greek language, the word is poiama, which literally translated means God's work of art. I love that. It's from that word that we actually get our word poetry. So I like to think about it. If we're living a life with missional velocity, then we are living like we are poetry in motion, living out God's art in the way that he created us to be. Missional velocity is born out of us doing and trying to figure out. And by the way, it's a lot of work to figure out what God created us to do. But if we just lay back and say, I wonder what God created us to do, we'll never figure it out. We got to go and do something, right? We got to keep 
out, get out there and keep doing something in order to figure out what it is that God has created me to do and get it done. I think there's a lot of talk that happens around what's God's purpose for my life? What does He want from me? It, it starts by doing something. We will never figure it out by doing nothing. God's not going to drop a water bomb on your head and go, okay, boom, there it is, there's your purpose. And this is where a lot of us start getting a little whiny, truthfully, and say, you know what, I don't have the time to take on one more thing. You see all these kids around me? You, you know how busy my life is with my, my work and trying to balance everything? Look, we're all busy people. And it's not going to get any better. We all have an amazing ability to fill our lives up with stuff, but the question is, what will we fill our lives up with? I also think there's another misnomer, and that is that once we figure out the purpose that God has for us, and we start doing what God asks us to do, that somehow it's going to always be enjoyable. It's not always enjoyable. At least from my experience. We're not going to love it all the time. I have to tell you that I have like the world's greatest job. I get to own and design and develop high-rises, beautiful places. But in order to be able to do that, 80% of my job is dealing with the minutia of all of the junk and the details and and the problems that I have to deal with day in and day out, and most of the time I don't like it, but I have to do all of that stuff and do it well in order to earn the right to be able to do the 20% of my job that I actually love. It's like this beautiful memory that I have of fly fishing in Montana a few years ago. I had this amazing moment where at the end of the day, the last cast of the day, there were eagles up on a ridge. The weather was perfect. I take this, and I was really into the whole, like, I'm not a fisherman, but I was doing the thing, you know. Line was flying. And I take, and I land the perfect cast. That, and I was with a dry fly, if any of you all know what that means. I, I hit this dry fly, and I hit it in the perfect route to like drift downstream right into the spotted trout who was laying on the top of the water right into his mouth. And when he grabbed that thing and I started fighting it, when I finally landed that, that was like this incredibly beautiful moment. What I forget about is the crap that I went through for the eight hours before that of the bad cast, the tangle line, the frustration like just wanting to give up every single time and thinking like this thing is so not worth it. That's missional velocity, just to inspire you all. I mean, whatever it is, is mostly difficult and tedious and gutting it out. Most of the time, it is not fun. But if we can stay on mission, if we can persevere, if we can continue to do what God asks us to do, 20% of the time, and that's a good number, 20% of the time, there's these beautiful moments that occur where you know this is what God wants you to do, and it gives us energy to carry on in the next 80% until something great comes along again and we have another beautiful moment. I want to be in partnership with people who get it. 
who are really committed to doing this thing of persevering, of being committed, of creating our lives like a missile where we have single-mindedness, where we are driven. What are you filling your life up with? Here's my challenge. We all have a lot more capacity to contribute to the kingdom of God than we think. We just have to be proactive and take control of our schedule to create space for the priorities in our lives. I'll give you a for instance. This next Sunday, a week from now, we have Vision Night. And um, it's a very important night because people who are newer to the church, they come and they check it out and see if Westridge is the church that is for them. And if it is, they want to figure out how to connect. And so it's an important night for a lot of people. And next Sunday, I'm supposed to be in Park City at a ski retreat with the owners of an opportunity fund that are going to invest more than $50 million in my company this next year. It's an important thing. But I called them up and I said, you know what? I am not going to be able to get there until Monday afternoon. I have this thing on Sunday night that I can't miss. Now, I'm not saying that to brag, and I'm not saying that because I think that everybody has that kind of flexibility in their jobs because a lot of us don't. But what I hope that we can do is revision our scheduling. Because a lot of us are putting a lot of things above the things of God. The things that are important. The things that have real meaning. And I hope that we can revision to create space in our schedule and our lives to do the things that God asks us to do. And so whether we're working in the nursery on a Sunday morning, whether we're filling backpacks at Huff on a Friday afternoon, whether we're feeding the homeless on a Thursday morning, whether we're doing coffee in the cafe, or whether we're playing guitar up on stage, whatever it is, I pray that we will do it with a sense of commitment and missional velocity to see the big picture as to how when you do that thing, it makes a difference in somebody's life. And 80% of the time, it may feel like work because truthfully it is, but we continue to show up. We continue to prioritize and do what we do because 20% of the time, there are these beautiful moments that make it all worthwhile. If you were to sit down this afternoon while you've got a couple hours and just look at your schedule, your schedule gives you a pretty good snapshot of what are the priorities in our lives. And the God stuff is usually not there. It's usually the first to get cut. I mean, going to church on a Sunday morning when it's snowing and the roads are bad, giving financially, serving in some capacity, being part of a small group. It all sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? And so maybe without even realizing it, we're pushing God further and further out of our lives because we're making him lower and lower as a priority. And believe me, I'm preaching to myself. I have faced the same struggle in my life where I constantly have to fight and to scrape just to keep my own connection with God, there's a lot of things that compete 
for all of the time that I have available and I have to work my butt off to keep all the junk out of my life that shouldn't be there so that I can keep it full with the stuff of God. It's a lot of work. But it takes us being proactive and taking our schedules back to create the space and the time to prioritize those things. The tragedy is when we take a passive approach to life where we are constantly reacting to whatever comes our way. And we get so caught up in the busyness of nothingness that we never ever really accomplish anything of meaning. I think that the older that I get, the more sensitive I become to wasting my life. You start feeling like you're kind of running out of time, you know? And you only have this much time left. What am I going to do with that time? And the truth of the matter is, with every passing year, you're going to give your life for something. And since it's right here in 2019, what's it going to be about for you? The Bible says there will come a day when we have to give an account of our lives. And we'll stand before God. And we'll give that account. But it makes this promise. That if we have fallen headlong into the grace of God, if we have done the good works that Jesus has asked us to do, that on that day, when we walk out of this world and into the next, if you listen closely, you can hear those words that every Christian wants to hear on that day. place that I have prepared for you since the beginning of time. Come rest your weary soul. For whatever you have done, even into the least of these, you did it unto me. Well done.